0: Their offerings. Agatha felt a lump rising in her throat. A little insistent voice was chattering in her head. What have you done? What have you done? There was a bottle of scent from Lulu, and predictably a pair of crotchless panties from Roy. There was a book on gardening from one, a vase from another, and so it went on. Speech! cried Roy. "Uh, Thank you all, said Agatha gruffly. I'm not going to China, you know. "'You'll all be able to come and see me. "'Your new bosses, Pedmans, have promised not to change anything, "'so I suppose life will go on for all of you much the same. "'Thank you for my presents. "'I will treasure them, except for yours, Roy. "'I doubt if at my age I'll find any use for them.' "'You never know your luck,' said Roy. "'Some horny farmer will probably be chasing you through the shrubbery.' Agatha drank more punch and ate smoked salmon sandwiches, and then, with her presents packed by Lulu into two carrier bags, she made her way down the stairs of Raisin Promotions for the last time. In Bond Street, she elbowed aside a thin, nervous businessman who had just flagged down a cab, said unrepentantly, "'I saw it first!' and ordered the driver to take her to Paddington Station she caught the 1520 train to oxford and sank back into the corner seat of a first-class carriage everything was ready and waiting for her in the cotswolds an interior decorator had done over the cottage her car was waiting for her at morton and marsh station for the short drive to carsley a removal firm had taken all her belongings from her london flat now sold she was free she could relax no temperamental pop stars to handle, no prima donnish couture firms to launch. All she had to do from now on was to please herself. Agatha drifted off to sleep and awoke with a start at the guard's cry of, ''Oxford! This is Oxford! The train terminates here!'' Not for the first time Agatha wondered about British Rail's use of the word terminate. One expected the train to blow apart, Why not just say, stops here? She looked up at the screen like a dingy television set which hung over Platform 2. It informed her that the train to Charlbury, Kingham, Morton-in-Marsh and all further points to Hereford was on Platform 3, and lugging her carrier bag she walked over the bridge. The day was cold and grey, the euphoria produced by freedom from work and Roy's punch was slowly beginning to evaporate. The train moved slowly out of the station. Glimpses of barges on one side and straggly allotments on the other, and then flat fields, flooded from the recent rain, lay gloomily in front of her increasingly jaundiced view. This is ridiculous, thought Agatha. I've got what I always wanted. I'm tired, that's all. The train stopped somewhere outside Charbury, gliding to a stop and sitting there placidly in the inexplicable way that railway trains often do. The passengers sat stoically listening to the rising wind whining over the bleak fields. Why are we like sheep that have gone astray? wondered Agatha. Why are the British so cowed and placid? Why does no one shout for the guard and demand to know the reason? Other more voluble races would not stand for it. She debated whether to go and see the guard herself. Then she remembered she was no longer in a hurry to get anywhere. She took out a copy of the Evening Standard, which she had bought at the station, and settled down to read it. After twenty minutes, the train creaked slowly into life. Another twenty minutes after Charlbury, and it slid into the little station of in Marsh. Agatha climbed out. Her car was still where she had left it during the last few minutes of the journey she had begun to worry that it might have been stolen. It was market-day in Morton in Marsh, and Agatha's spirits began to revive as she drove slowly past stalls, selling everything from fish to underwear. Tuesday market-day was Tuesday. She must remember that her new sob purred out of Morton and then up through Borton on the hill, nearly home 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 at last. She turned off the A44 and then began the slow descent to the village of Carsley, which nestled in a fold of the Cotswold Hills. It was a very pretty village, even by Cotswold standards. There were two long lines of houses, interspersed with shops, some low and thatched, some warm gold brick with slate roofs. There was a pub called the Red Lion at one end and a church at the other. A few straggling streets ran off.